The following program is not intended for children under 13, even though 13 is the spookiest of numbers. It contains coarse language, mature content, stories about ghosts, it's kind of spooky, and also I am not responsible for the things that come out of my wife's mouth. Listen at your own risk. Hello and welcome to another episode of Spooky Stories. Ooh. I'm your ghost co-host, Matt McComb, the kooky one. And I'm the spooky one, Kaya. And today we are going to be taking a trip to Duncan, B.C. Duncan, B.C. Yep. You mean like you're going to be dunking on my good time by telling me spooky stories? Sure am. Oh, man. Yeah. Can we talk about something less spooky? Like what? Uh, like spiders. Damn it, those are spooky. Uh, like blankets. They're they're comfy and blankets not at all comfy. spooky. Yeah. yeah. Or sheets. No, I guess you could put holes in them and make them into ghosts. There's a lot of things that aren't spooky with us. Is is? I think it's because I live with you. Probably that everything is spooky. Yeah, most likely. Yes, the last time you said the shoppers drug mart was spooky. <laughs> Now I can't go in there. The prices are just too spookily high. That reminds me I forgot to stop at Shoppers on the way home. Oh, look at that. Now our podcast is reminding you of spooky things you didn't do. There we go. Yeah, you can dunk in on my good times. Awesome. So today we are going to be talking about something that we haven't covered on our podcast before, but I'm actually very excited to get into. I know what it is. What? No, I don't know what it is. No. So let's just get into the story then. Okay, sounds good. Cool. On the night of November 29th, 1980, a storm was attacking the central part of Vancouver Island, sending residents to seek shelter. But in the midst of this storm and panic, a 32-year-old man wrote his parents a note, climbed into his pickup truck, and left the home, never to be seen again. Now, 41 years later, there are still many questions surrounding this case and the disappearance of Granger Taylor. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm 32 years old. Uh I don't own a pickup truck. No. But that is a little concerning. Right? Yeah. Do you want to take a guess into why he disappeared before we get into the story? I'm going to guess the housing prices were a little ridiculous in Vancouver, and he was just like, I need to move out to Alberta where the oil patch is going to accept me from my pickup truck ways. I think you're confused because I said Vancouver Island, but still, the prices probably were pretty high. They were probably very, very high. Yeah. So today we are going to be talking about Granger Taylor, who was born on October 7th, 1948. He was born and raised in Duncan, BC, which is a small logging and fishing town located halfway between Victoria and Nanaimo. Okay. So that gives you an idea. Usually you're like, where is that? So now I actually have the geography behind It's true. I do know where Victoria is and I do know where Nanaimo is. So that's that's helpful. So this is halfway between those two. I'm pretty sure Victoria is on the one end of the island and Nanaimo is on the other end of the island. I think so. So like... It's pretty much like saying he's somewhere in the middle between the top of the (laughs) island and the bottom of the island. Roughly. He's there. He's there. Uh, So Granger had what his family and friends referred to as an astonishing aptitude for constructing and repairing all manner of mechanical devices. And one of his oldest friends, Bob Nielsen, even said, I guess you could call him an eccentric genius. Okay. Yeah. 
Now, Granger was an 8th grade school dropout, but despite never finishing, he was considered by all who knew him to be a self-taught mechanical wizard. So he was like one of those scientists or engineers portrayed in the movies where they can just like make anything out of anything. Pretty much. And they're like, I'm in, or I got this. And then they just like make something pretty much so on that topic after he dropped out of school he was able to secure a job as a mechanics assistant where he stayed for one year following this he struck out on his own and remained self-employed until he disappeared working as a welder mechanic and heavy machinery repairman so it sounds like this podcast is now just his linkedin profile so i mean he does have a pretty impressive one so i'm okay. gonna continue with that. are we trying to help this guy find a job help granger taylor find a job granger Maybe. taylor granger taylor that's not a bad name actually so at the age of 14 granger had built a single cylinder automobile which was put on display at the duncan forest museum at 17 he had managed to rebuild a bulldozer that many seasoned mechanics had long given up on ever repairing interesting yeah so probably like something even your dad would give up on yeah well my dad I mean, never your gives dad's up pretty on stubborn, anything but i don't know a lot of a lot of mechanics gave up on it and he managed to repair it so there you go. yeah in 1969 granger was 21 years old and he had located an old locomotive that had been abandoned during the great depression he managed to extricate the engine lugged it back to his parents home where he was living and spent the next two years restoring the locomotive to its former glory using only his intellect, moxie, tools, and spare mechanical parts. He did such an amazing job that in 1973, the province of BC purchased the steam engine and put it on display at the BC Forest Discovery Center. Interesting. Yeah. So he's worked on cars, he's worked on bulldozers, he's worked on trains, so the only thing left is planes, and of course, Granger did that as well. He got his pilot's license and bought a vintage World War II P-40 Kitty Hawk warplane, which he then restored. It was kept on display outside a store on the island highway until it was purchased by a collector in 1981 for $20,000. Now, I don't know about you, but in 1981, $20,000 to me was a lot of money, because it's probably about... $45,000 now. Did you actually do the math on that one? That still sounds like not a lot of money for a freaking plane. I mean... Even $45,000 sounds like very little money for a plane. I guess. But it wasn't like a... I mean, it probably did run, to be honest. Yeah. Because he was so so good at at repairing I mean, I'd buy a plane for that much. That's cheap. It's just a tiny warplane. Like, you can carry one person in it. But you can carry one person in it. And you can fly. That's true. Through the magic of flight for $45,000. You do know what kind of plane this is, right? Yeah, it's a little war plane. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anyways, so while Granger was intrigued by planes, trains, and automobiles when he was younger, he quickly became bored and turned his attention to a new challenge. You couldn't wait to put that in I there. I could not wait. You're like, let me just walk them through the whole process <laughs> and then be like, boom! Yeah. Planes, trains, automobiles. Yes, yeah, exactly. I was like, if I if you can put jokes in, I can somewhere too. Right? Yeah, there you go. Well See, done. There we go. So Granger was ready to try and test his vast intellect and mechanical prowess on something new. His mind focused on the unsolvable question of UFOs and how they could perform the aerial feats that so many people had claimed to have seen. Okay. Yeah. He wanted to understand what it was that powered the interstellar journeys that these UFOs were taking. 
Okay. I mean, fair enough, right? What UFOs? What is he talking about? So, remember, this is 1969. So, UFOs, aliens, and space became popular topics in the 1940s and 1950s. Many World War II pilots reported seeing large balls of light, also known as Foo Fighters, in the sky, and their existence was unexplainable. Wait, Foo Fighters? Foo Fighters. Like the terrible band that I don't like? I like Foo Fighters. Yeah, they're okay. Yeah. Anyways. Is that how they got their name? That's probably the inspiration behind it, yeah. It is. Yeah. So, after the war, there were a number of infamous UFO sightings and even claims of abductions. So, starting in 1947, the famous claim of a UFO crashing near Roswell, New Mexico, exploded worldwide, but was later said to be a military balloon used for monitoring Soviet nuclear testing. Okay. I mean, I'm pretty sure they've changed their story now. Mm-hmm. I think they're claiming it actually was an alien. I don't think they're claiming... No one's claimed that there was actually an alien. There's There's been claims of actual UFOs, definitely. But aliens? Talk- Not yet. Okay, so Not we're going to talk about some more of these claims of aliens and UFOs. So, in 1960, a prospector told a Yellowknife RCMP officer that he and his partner saw a UFO at Clan Lake. There it um, is, I saw it! Which was 30 miles north of Yellowknife. Just 30 miles north of Yellowknife, I'll tell you what. Ooh, there's gold in them hills and aliens up in the sky. Interesting that now we're getting reports of them in Canada. From prospectors. You can always trust a prospector. It's true. Um, in 1961, Barney and Betty Hill claimed that they had been abducted by aliens in rural New Hampshire. So that was the first official abduction story. And anytime I hear about alien abductions, all I can think about are Saturday Night Live. Saturday Night Live sketches with Kate McKinnon, and she just kills me in those. And if you guys haven't watched those, you need to go watch them. It's going to be posted. We have to post it with the thing. I love those. Um, so in 1967, there were sightings in both Falcon Lake, Manitoba and Shag Harbor, Nova Scotia. I'm not going to get into detail on those because some of those stories are actually like really interesting and I want to cover them on episodes. Big surprise. Something spooky's happening in Nova Scotia. I'm probably going to focus on the Manitoba one and leave Nova Scotia alone because they've got enough other creepy shit going on. They have enough going on. Yeah. So there was also a sighting in Prince George, B.C. in January of 1969. So there's lots. I mean, these are just some of them. You can actually go. I'll put a link in the show notes because there was one Wikipedia page that lists every reported sighting and abduction for UFOs and aliens. And it was interesting to see where they were all from. So by the end of the 70s, UFOs and aliens had become a cultural phenomenon thanks to Hollywood releases such as Star Trek. Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and Star Wars. There you go. Yeah, of course, right? Now, during this time, Granger told his close friend Robert Keller that he was going to build his own spaceship. Of course he was. I mean, he's built a car, a bulldozer, a train, a plane. Why not a spaceship, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's the next thing. Maybe he was an alien. Maybe he was. Now, Robert Keller and Granger met through a mutual hobby, which was smoking weed. Uh, and according to articles where... Okay, hold on. <laughs> we met through our mutual hobby of smoking weed. These are like legit... Weed is not a hobby. Okay, these are like legit quotes from articles where they actually like interviewed him. Robert Keller, not Granger Taylor. Um, 
So, according to some of these articles where Keller was interviewed, they had many conversations while high about space and aliens. Of course they did. I mean, we typically talk about, like, ghosts and how many Slurpees we're going to order, but space and aliens Mostly the second one. Actually, we don't really get into those conspiracy theory things. We mostly just eat all of the snacks. It's true. Order Slurpees on 7-Eleven. Yeah, did you guys know that you can use Uber Eats to, like, order Slurpees? Anyways. Pro tip while you're high. (laughs) I told a lot of people, and they were very excited about this idea. So I'm just saying. Perfect. Now, according to Keller, Granger spent over six months welding and constructing a life-size replica of a flying saucer out of spare parts he had lying around. So he actually built a spaceship. I mean, did he? Flying saucer. Spaceship! Yeah. Now... Author Douglas Curran, who wrote the book In Advance of Landing, Folk Concepts of Outer Space, which I did not read this time. I didn't read a book for this episode. She didn't read a whole book for this episode, (laughs) folks. I'm sorry Kai's phoning it in today. (laughs) So Douglas Curran visited the spaceship before it disappeared from the uh, Taylor family farm. He described the ship in his book as such. He built his spaceship out of two satellite receiving dishes and outfitted it with a television, a couch, and a wood-burning stove. He became obsessed with finding out how flying saucers were powered, spending hours sitting in the ship and often sleeping there. An article published in March 18, 1985 in the Times Colonist, which was a newspaper in Duncan at the time, written by journalist Derek Sidenius, described the then-decrepit state of the structure. So remember, 1985 was after... Granger disappeared. Um, the silver spaceship sits on metal pillars under the trees on the Taylor Farm near Duncan, B.C. Its aluminum plate ramp door is ajar and broken, but inside the large old sofa, pot-bellied stove, and plywood sleeping ledge are much the way Granger left them. And I have photos of all of this, so I will definitely post them. Is it them. still there? No, so it's gone now. Um, I think... It's probably like broken down over the years, and there's a bit of a trend here because everything this guy builds ends up in a museum or some right? sort of attraction. Yeah, except for this one. Uh, so since Granger had no access to real aliens and spacecraft, he began his research into UFOs by collecting all the books he could get his hands on. He then would close himself inside his spaceship and spend hours trying to understand the workings of UFOs based solely on eyewitness accounts and pseudoscientific hypotheses. Okay. Yep. Uh, What started as a hobby soon became an obsession for Granger, and the topic of space and aliens was usually his favorite topic of conversation. Many believed that his interests may wane and turn to something else, but it seemed as if fate or something else had something else in mind. So, about a month prior to November 29th, 1980, Granger confided in friend Bob Nielsen that he was in contact with aliens. According to Bob, Granger told him that he was laying in bed one night when he received mental communications from somebody from another galaxy. He was unable to see them, but knew that they were just talking to him in his mind. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, a few days after this, Granger told Bob that the voice had returned to him in his saucer and it invited him to go on a trip through the solar system. He told Bob that he would not be informed until the end of the month as to where he would be picked up. So now he's going to space. Pretty cool. Hello, Earth genius. <laughs> it is I, Garthrax572, from the planet 72734567. Seven. 
I am calling to let you know that I have seen that your earth things are dumb, but you are very smart, and therefore I would love for you to come on a space road trip with me through the solar system. Mm-hmm. But it won't be until the end of the month, so, you know, pack your things. Garthrax C731 out. So, if and when he was told the location where he would be picked up, he chose or was instructed not to share it with his family or friends. Despite his family and friends not knowing when or where his journey would take place, Granger made no effort to conceal his excitement about it. He was looking forward to going to learn about alien technology during his voyage through space. Now, Granger's family and friends suspected that this was all the result of a weird nightmare or an acid trip, because apparently by this point, Granger was taking acid a few times a day, um, according to his sister, Grace Ann Young. Few times a day, just yep. doing that micro dose in life. Yeah. Except mega dosing. Now, this story was collaborated by a letter written to Granger's mother, Grace Taylor, by one of his cousins, Jacqueline Sandiford. Although she did claim that Granger never had a bad trip or ill effects from the acid, and that he was so sure and matter of fact about his journey and contact with aliens that his friends were too. So he's managed to convince his friends that, like, Aliens are talking to him, and he's going to space. I mean, if I was super high, I would believe him, especially if he was my smartest friend. But he's taking the acid. His friends aren't. Yeah, but I I have hobbies that I share with my smart friends, and that's smoking weed. That's our hobby that we share. Right, but you haven't told anybody that you're going to space. But I'm not the smartest friend in the group. Like, I don't know, if Eric had said, I'm going into space... I might be inclined to believe him if he's like, no, for real, man. For real. Maybe. 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 If he'd spent, like, his whole time being like, I'm researching aliens. I'm doing this with aliens. <laughs> I'm doing this stuff. Like, if Eric told me that he was, like, going to visit the, the king of Bitcoin, I'd probably be like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> You've been doing a lot of Bitcoin stuff lately. Makes sense. Fair enough. Well, according to Derek Sidenius, the journalist that we talked about earlier, a week prior to November 29th, Granger took a bunch of his friends out for a night on the town, which they now look back on as his going away party, which I think is nice. That is nice. It's a nice thought, right? So, on Friday, November 28th, Granger entered his parents' bedroom and had a long discussion with his stepfather, Jim. He expressed his appreciation and affection for all Jim had done for him over the years and for being a father to him after his own father had disappeared. Now, Granger's mother, Grace, was in Hawaii at the time on the first vacation she had been on in years, so she didn't even actually get to, like, have a final conversation with Granger before all this happened. It wasn't very nice of him to be like... Yeah, uh, aliens, can we just, like, hold it up? I'm out. Little did they know that their lives were about to change forever. Around 6 p.m. on Saturday, November 29th, Granger visited Bob's Grill for dinner. He was a regular here, so him having dinner didn't raise any concerns. A woman who was working in the girl's kitchen named Linda Barron said that that night she couldn't recall if anyone tried to engage with Granger. She couldn't remember if they were, like, talking to him. But she could remember what he was wearing, considering he wasn't dressed for the oncoming storm. So she stated that she remembered Granger wearing a brown knitted sweater, zipped up front, a black t-shirt, jeans, and logger boots, but he didn't have his winter coat like many other people did, which Jim did eventually discover a couple days later inside a doghouse on the Taylor farm. So he just like left his winter coat behind, even though there was this crazy ass In the doghouse? In the doghouse. 
Why, why not in the house? Not sure. There's no specification about why he left it there, and we can't ask him. So Fair. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, around 6.30 p.m., Granger paid his bill and left uh, just as the storm was starting in Duncan and the neighboring cities. After leaving the diner, Granger got into his Datsun pickup truck and headed towards Mount Provo to dispose of his truck so no one would search for him. Neighbors reported hearing a loud boom that night that seemed different than the sounds of the storm. This was around the time he would have arrived at his destination, and Granger was never seen again. So he went up to the mountains to be like, I'm going to get rid of this pickup truck so that I don't need to take it with me. And so nobody's searching for me. And so that nobody's searching for me. Yeah. But why would they search for him? He already said he was going to go on an alien space road trip. I mean, he had mentioned that maybe a time or two. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Concerned that he hadn't seen Granger since the day prior, coupled with a strange note that Granger had left on his parents' bedroom door, Jim Taylor contacted the RCMP to help find his son. You want to hear what the note said? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I need you to read it in the voice, though. I can't do a voice. You ask me that every time. I don't do voices. Do you want me to read it in a voice? Nope. I'm going to read the note for you because I don't want you to, like, ruin anything for Uh, yourself. Fine. Just like Um, a deep voice. No. Like a man voice. Dear mother and father, I have gone away to walk aboard an alien spaceship as recurring dreams assured a 42-month interstellar voyage to explore the vast universe, then return. I am leaving behind all my possessions to you as I will no longer require the use of any. Please use the instructions in my will as a guide to help. Love, Granger. Okay, cool. Yeah. 42 months, okay. 42 months, right? Um, so the note's just, like, taped to the door, and he's gone. Now, interestingly enough, Granger had made two alterations to his will prior to his disappearance. The first one was the word funeral had been deleted, and the word death was replaced with departure. So he's, like, all into this. He's going to space. Uh Uh-huh. Okay? The RCMP responded to Jim's call immediately, but after exhaustive checks of hospitals, passport, employment, and vehicle records, and searches around Duncan and the surrounding areas, there was no sign of Granger or the truck he drove off in. Now, the motor vehicle branch in Victoria had been alerted to the case in the event Granger's driver's license was renewed because it was set to expire in the following October. And the Taylors took out newspaper ads during the 1980s offering $100 to anyone who could find Granger's truck. Neither of these had any response, and when the truck registration expired in 1981, many RCMP investigators were led to believe the truck was no longer on the road. Makes sense, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now. But where is the truck? hmm, We're getting to that. Okay. So, in 1986, so we're fast forwarding six years... Jeez Louise, it's been five years since I reported my son missing and the police just found this truck? So, kind of. Now in 1986, a blast site was found on Mount Provo. And in this blast site, they found truck fragments and bone fragments, um, as well as some pieces of clothing. It was confirmed that the truck was Granger's missing truck via the vehicle identification number found on the wreckage. Granger's mother also confirmed that the fabric matched that of a shirt that she had made for him just a few months prior to him disappearing. Yeah. I mean, it was the 1980s. You know, before you go on this alien adventure, son, (laughs) I'm going to make you a nice sweater. Yeah. So that you won't get cold up in space. Cold up in space. Now, don't be leaving before I go to Hawaii. (laughs) 
So because it's 1986, uh, DNA testing wasn't prevalent at the time, so they couldn't prove if the bones actually belonged to Granger. Mm-hmm. Now, we are more advanced in our DNA technology, but the RCMP have seemed to have lost the bones. So we can't even test them now. Yeah. At the time they found the blast, Granger was declared dead with his day of death listed as November 29th, 1980. Now, Robert Keller, remember the, the yeah. weed friend, uh, said that Granger worked with dynamite a lot to remove tree stumps and believed that he used a box of dynamite to get rid of his truck before aliens picked him up to go on his journey. But there was bone fragments. There was, but because there was no DNA testing, how do we know that they were Granger's? Like, yes, that was his truck, but like... Do you just have a bag of bones in his truck? I don't know. I'm. That's not what I'm saying, but like... No, I'm positing the question to yourself. To me? Yes. I honestly think they probably are his, but I also listen to enough true crime podcasts to know that like, that's not always the case. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Fair enough. So... While many of Granger's friends want to believe he's on an interstellar journey, others believe that the disappearance was a suicide by a lonely individual. Yeah, he definitely was sad. very lonely if he was a quote-unquote genius. Yeah. That's probably why he smoked weed all the time and why he was doing acid. Probably. Because no one understands me, man. I'm too smart for this world. Yeah. Now, there are like a couple fun theories. They aren't very in-depth theories, but there are a couple fun theories that I found online that describe what might have happened to him and why he might have disappeared, including one that he fled to some remote location like Columbia because no reason why i mean i'm sure there were probably I mean, that's reasons, a really but, bad theory right that's like being, um, oh he's gone well he's probably gone <laughs> my my favorite one out of the ones that i found was this one that the u.s government kidnapped him to work in area 51 which is the airbase at the center of many alien conspiracies <laughs> the u.s government kidnapped him yeah I mean, like, he's a really smart guy, and he's studying aliens, and he's very vocal about it. Like, he's not hiding the fact that he wants to learn all he can about aliens. There's nothing saying that that isn't a legit theory of what happened to him. And then, like, the government blew up his truck to, like, hide the fact that they kidnapped him. (gasps) That would mean he's a man in black. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they kidnapped him, actually. I think if they did anything, they probably convinced him to become part of this this thing and to learn how alien technology works, but he has to leave all of his earthly possessions right? and stuff behind and convince all of his friends and family that he's dead now. See, I like he that theory. He's a man in black. I like that theory. Yeah. I want to stick with that one. I, except for all the acid. That's a little concerning. Yeah, I mean... Did you say twice a day? I feel like the people who wrote Men in Black were probably on acid, so... That's not very nice. It's fine. Talk about Hollywood. I mean, I love that movie, but some of that shit's a trip, man. (laughs) Now, members of Granger's family believe that his drug use may have played a part and may have caused him to go into a spiral and and kill himself, which is Mm. really sad. Um, there's actually a documentary that I watched on CBC. It's like 45 minutes long and it's called Spaceman and it's 
all about his disappearance. And it was really good because they interview like his friends and his family. His parents have passed away since this has happened. Um, But like they interview his brother and his sister and Robert Keller and some of his other friends. And if you want to watch a quick documentary on this, like I said, it's only 45 minutes. It's actually really well done and I highly recommend it. I was intrigued the entire time. Hmm. Yeah. Now, whether or not Granger went on a journey into space, the only thing we know for a fact is that on the evening of November 29th, 1980, Granger Taylor vanished without a trace. What he claimed would be a 42-month journey has turned into an almost 42-year-old mystery. Many hope that one day Granger Taylor will return to share his otherworldly adventures and teach us all a thing or two about aliens in space. Okay, so here's what I think. Okay. Uh, I have a couple theories. The first is, like, what doesn't add up is, like, he just committed suicide, okay? So, like, I don't think that's what happened because if that was the case, like, I don't think he would be like, I'm going to go visit aliens. Aliens are going to visit me. Like, he's, I don't understand why he would create something like that to tell people so that he could hide the fact that he was depressed and wanted to kill himself. Mm-hmm. I think that he was probably in some sort of state of psychosis because he was lonely and because he was um, what some people would call very intelligent or genius. And, and most people like that are, are very sad and lonely because people don't understand them and they don't know how to talk to people. Um, which is probably why he used weed and, 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 LSD to shut his brain off. Um, But what I think could have happened is that in that state of psychosis, the aliens told him, quote unquote aliens, that the only way to get to Garthrax 17347. I'm not remembering my alien references, but it's like, in order to reach us, you must destroy yourself and leave your earthly body and spirit behind. Right, we we heard it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So that's what I'm thinking, is they were like, you need to, you know, blow yourself up. And there there I could see him being like, oh, okay, I'll I'll do that, Mm -hmm. you know? But I don't think that he would be like, Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm totally going to go visit the aliens and then kill himself. That doesn't make sense. Like, mm-hmm. it, if he was trying to spare people's feelings, that wouldn't really spare anybody's feelings. In fact, yeah. it would make people feel worse. Right. Right? I agree. So I think that, and I also really like the men in black idea. I really like that one. I think we should stick with that one. I, I think, think that's like the, I think that's the best theory that could come out of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, speedy recap? Speedy recap. All right. So we traveled to Duncan, B.C., where in 1980, a man named Granger Taylor went missing. He claimed that he was going on a 42-month interstellar journey with aliens, but we aren't sure what happened because nobody's seen anything of him since. He was a genius. He built a bulldozer. He built a plane. He built a car. He built a locomotive, all from, you know, derelict equipment. And he just pieced it all together. He honestly believed that aliens were coming to get him and he was taking his time to research him. Um, Theories go that he may have committed suicide. He may have actually gone to space or maybe he's just in Area 51 acting as a men in black. All we know is that Granger Taylor has disappeared and maybe one day he'll reappear again to tell us all his stories. 
Yeah, about his cool. cool, cool space road trip, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, if you had to give this story a spooky rating based on everything I told you today, what would you give it? So, I like this one, actually. This was really fun. I like that we're kind of getting into aliens now, which um, is not something that I'm really familiar with. Um, not that I was ever familiar with ghost lore. Um, but if I was to give this one spooky rating, I would say seven museum submissions out of ten men in black. I love it. Yeah. I think that's one of my favorite ones that you've done so far. <laughs> Thank that's you. It's pretty great. So we want to take this time to thank you for listening to this episode. Thanks. And if you enjoyed this episode, we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a review on Facebook if you visit facebook.com slash spooky stories pod. You can visit the reviews tab and leave us a review there. I promise we won't force you to leave a five-star review. Can't promise that. We just want to hear your opinions and yeah. your ideas for us. But if you don't have anything nice to say, like don't say it at all. <laughs> say, say it to me. There we go. Don't besmirch the good name of our podcast <laughs> with your swill. There you go. Now, if you want to see any photos that relate to this episode, if you want to join the conversation or you want to start one of your own and tell us some of your spooky stories, visit us at Instagram.com slash spooky stories pod or visit our website at spookypodcast.com and submit your stories. That way, we'd love to check them out. Yeah, because we might be doing some audience questions. Yeah, for sure. Or like interviews yeah definitely it's things we're talking about things we're talking we got stuff in the works some irons in the fire we do yeah we're coming up on our 20th episode so maybe we'll do something fun for that one yeah yeah. we are also talking about a contest right now we're just trying to figure out the details of what we want to run with that but as soon as we have that available we will let you know it'll be posted on facebook and instagram as well And I think that's all we have for business, right? Yeah. And Eric, if you didn't want to be called out as my smartest friend, then don't be so freaking smart, okay? Deal with it. There you go. So until next week, we hope you... Keep it spooky. Ooh. But not alien spooky.